I'm for real though. I need to. I gotta go get my feet done. The joint hurt. You get a shave down. Yeah, but you know what happened though? The other place was charging a lot, and so I was like, I'm just gonna switch because I don't want nothing fancy like you, you know. But the spot I was going to, they knew me. I tipped well in cash, and they went to work on Myra's feet like Shanene. You know what I'm saying? They really got down. Now they really got down. It was gonna hurt while they were doing it, but it was gonna put me right for like two weeks. Yeah, like what them dogs look like though. I have beautiful feet for a football player. I mean, like, absolutely beautiful feet. Like, because I actually do have a corn that grows on it. Like, I can't act like that doesn't happen. So that means that my feet, unlike the rest of me, aren't perfect. So. I have immaculate one foot. You know. But you had surgery on the other one, though, right? It got skin from my butt on there. Yeah, right. booty foot. You got a booty foot? When I was eight, I set my house on fire. And when I ran in the room, a toy blew up on my foot. And my foot was on fire coming up my leg, so I ran and jumped in the pool. But I had third-degree burns, so they had to take a big patch off my butt cheek and put it on my foot. It's called a skin grab. This shit happens all the time. It's, it this does is happen new. So you got a patch in your booty. I got a patch of my booty on my foot, and I got a little shiny patch on my booty, too. <laughs> but the nasty thing about it is the side of the graft on my foot was closer to the crack. It grows thick hair. <laughs> Y'all want to see? I don't want to see. You want to see. I just, I just think it's crazy. There's booty hair on your foot. Yeah. Like, well, is it booty hair still? Because now it's skin. It, no, it, now it's on my foot. It's booty hair. But it's it's on my foot. I can be booty hair on my foot. It's, it's foot hair now. Uh, RC, start the show. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cap, pin in it. I thought they here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Welcome to the pivot. Hey, wow. guys, it's been a great week. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas was a huge show for us. It was awesome to hear his perspective on uh, being involved in activism, the things he did inside the Detroit Pistons locker room to change the culture there, making sure as an NFL PA president, they stayed in better places. I felt like Isaiah Thomas really changed the game and hipped us to some game that we truly didn't know about his career. So I thought it was extremely cool and amazing opportunity for us to get a chance to sit with him. But today we're just gonna bring you the boys. Uh, Channing has butt hair on his foot. <laughs> Who knew? Also, you know, Freddie T is always cool, calm, and collected, even under, under the weather a little bit. My man has showed up, and he's going to show out as usual. To our subscribers, we thank you so much. Continue to like, continue to comment. Also, to Happy Dad and DraftKings, we thank you for your sponsorship and your partnership. And I mean, let's really get into it. And I think it's going to come, come straight to you, Freddie T. We had the Pivot Super Bowl of some sorts this weekend. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguar, great. Uh, hopefully future Hall of Famer. I think you'll be the second Jaguar to ever get in. When you do Thank get you. in, you will be the second Jaguar to Thank get you. into the Hall of Fame. I apologize. Sens sensitive over there. No, it's no, okay. no. You know, <laughs> you have to speak it into existence. I got you. You know, man. and God's timing is the best, right? No, I... So we're going to leave it there. That's have, all. That's I, all. I, I, I know where you are. I know where no you are, I have no issue with that, brother. 100%. I know where you are. And you brought up the Lord. When you bring in the Lord, you can't argue with people. Mm -hmm. That's how you really end every argument. You know what I'm saying? Well, God said, well, now I'm not even talking to you no more. It's just God. That was Dion's trick when he left Jackson State. The Lord told him to go. Wow. So didn't you say, though, that Dion would not stay? 
I told him when he got the job, he was not going to be there that long because of the resources and the money that those schools don't have and other schools, bigger schools will have. And now Colorado got him to move for, what, four more million dollars a year? Anybody's going to take an upgrade in pay and an upgrade in job. And those are both upgrades, no disrespect to Jackson State University. You go back to that. But let's not forget about the game you were... Oh, I, I truly go apologize. Forward. And our producer, uh, Alicia Zubakowski, is the biggest... Dallas Cowboy fan I've ever been around. If you ever look at her social medias when they win, she has Victory Monday. Uh, she takes herself to Dunkin' Donuts. She has her <laughs> Dallas Cowboy sweatshirt on, her Dallas Cowboy celebratory uh, shoes. Those shoes aren't playoff shoes. They're regular season shoes oh, wow. because they don't get used in the playoffs in the last 30 years. Um, but she has her shoes on. She takes her selfies and just truly enjoys what a Victory Monday is for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, this Monday, she did not get to enjoy that, Fred. And the reason she didn't get to enjoy that is because of the Jacksonville Jaguars. As you're watching that game and you're being celebrated and signing autographs and, and then you do your jobs afterwards, just tell me the feeling of this, this young Jaguars team that is turning into a, a, a possible division champ. Right. And now beating uh, what some would call underachievers, frauds, pretenders in the Dallas Cowboys. Wow, you're amazing, brother. Um, you know what's crazy? Joining you guys on first take, I understood that it was Dak's, uh, Dak's segment that we were speaking to, but I didn't want to leave out how amazing the Jaguars played. You know, they, they don't get the credit they deserve. Obviously, three weeks ago, they faltered to the Lions, but the Lions are a good football team. They, they were from one and six to seven and seven. So you have to give their staff, uh, Coach Campbell and the rest of the crew, a lot of credit as well. They're trending in the right, right direction. So is the Jags. While the Titans, they're on a downward slope, losing four in a row. So uh, just Trevor Lawrence, man, the way he's been performing since they left London. You know, he threw that pick on the, uh, what was it, first and goal. He threw an interception. They end up losing to the Broncos of all the teams, the Broncos. And uh, ever since then, he said, I'm going to take it upon myself to go out there and be the man that I'm, I'm supposed to be. I got to manage the ball. Although this past game against Dallas, he didn't do that perfectly. He had mm -hmm. that fumble and the interception early, but the defense held. Defense yeah. played, you know, they gave up a lot of points, but they played well enough to keep Prescott off his mark and end up make uh, errant throws as he did at the end that pick six for a touchdown by Rayshon, capped the game. So it's the greatest feeling in the world in Jacksonville, knowingly beat. America's team? Yeah. Come are. on now, America's team. They are. Trending the America team. So uh, I hopefully um, they handle their business um, going, finishing off the season. They get to handle their business. And then hopefully the Titans keep sliding downward, eventually win the uh, division. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think when you look at that division, it's extremely winnable. Everyone thought coming into the year it'd be the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. But they actually play the Minnesota Vikings on Saturday. Now, I thought it was going to be an upset. And here's what I thought. Jeff Saturday was the first coach ever named Saturday to coach a Saturday game in the NFL. I mean, how perfect is that? How can you not win that game, Chad? I was like, oh, and it's shaping up. I'm at home. It's Jordan's graduation little party thing. We got a little get together. Everybody's at the crib. We Mike outside boiling crabs and seafood. We got food catered in the house. Everybody's having a good time. My brother's girl, she in there making drinks. She a mixologist. They up. Next thing I know, Game over. Minnesota Vikings win. When you look at something like that, based off of a conversation we had early on in the year about Jeff Saturday, 
and getting that job and then none of those guys on the staff being actually looked at to take over that team. When you see a debacle like that or a team lose a lead in that manner, do you look at the coach and at the head coach and say, okay, maybe with different leadership you win? Or do you understand who Jeff Saturday is, Chan, and just say the team has to perform better and win when you're up by 33 points? No, that's why, uh, you know, just taking it for granted, like we talked about, I'm not a fan of hiring Jeff Saturday, going around all those guys that grinded for years, bunch of every color, because everybody's, you know, I would love a Reggie Wayne to get that job who's on the staff, a friend of mine. But being the head coach means something. That's what I'm saying. You got your coordinators, your defense all can call in it. But being a head coach, when you're up by that much, they know how to talk to their counterparts and tell them, hey, do this. Hey, let's run it. Hey, slow things down. Whatever it is. And for Jeff Saturday to get thrown that job after coming out of high school coaching and was unsuccessful in high school, I think if you put a real, I'll say it that way, a real head coach up on, uh, up on a that. team that much, they're going to win that game because they've been in that situation. Jeff Saturday has never been in these situations. And that's why I say – that the Belichicks and the Andy Reeds and all those guys, if I throw Pete Carroll in there, he's a Super Bowl winner. Those guys have the experience of being up, being down, and knowing what to do. Jeff Saturday was not capable of keeping that lead on Saturday. How much fault do you give former coach uh, Gus Bradley as their D coordinator? A lot, too. A whole bunch because they had to come back from that. But as, as that head coach, when they score one touchdown, then they're scoring two. He's not calling they're the defense. Back. You he's have not. to go... Bill Belichick would have walked over there and told him, Gus, stop calling what you're calling. This shit ain't working. He would have had that respect. Do you really think they're looking up at Jeff Saturday like this coaching genius? Or are they looking at Jeff Saturday like, I'll be honest, RC, you get a job. You say, Chan, come coach my linebackers. I'm not looking at you like I'm looking at Andy Reid. You know what I'm saying? And I don't think they look at, they don't look at Jeff Saturday that way. Like, oh, say, be all end all. That's what a head coach is in the facility, right? My building. My team, my staff. I don't think Jeff Saturday has that respect like that. Well, you know, I think the, the issue is, is definitely that, right? How do you walk into Gus Bradley, a former head coach, and obviously a defensive coordinator, and say, you aren't running the things that I, I believe can slow down or stop the Minnesota Vikings? And also, too, when you speak of the Belichicks and the Pete Carrolls and the people that have been in that position, there is some fact to that in this. It's the largest comeback in NFL history. Yeah. Right? And so when you think about that, that means it's never been done. It is unprecedented, as Jeff Saturday getting that job is unprecedented. And so I believe when you look at things that way, your, your argument holds a ton of weight. I think another thing or another team who we saw slip up and lose the lead was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are up on the Cincinnati Bengals, and they're blowing them out. Right, Tom Brady's playing well. The play action is working. They're able to run the ball with young rookie Rashad White. Defensively, they're playing the way we've seen this defense play under Todd Bowles before. Carlton Davis is balling one-on-one -on -one with Jamar Chase. They, they falter in the second half. I want to say they give up 30-something points unanswered to the Cincinnati Bengals. And in doing that, what started the comeback was a muffed fake punt by Gio Bernard, Giovanni Bernard, who's a running back who had been on injured reserve or had been on IR throughout the season. Now he's back. There's some sort of miscommunication. And I play personal protector, so I understand the type of communication that needs to go on. He fumbles, but after the game, he doesn't want to speak or he doesn't want to speak about it. And, you know, it could be many reasons for that. Only Gio knows why he didn't want to. As he's walking out, he's like, well, guys, you haven't spoken to me in the entire year. Um, and Jenna Lane, who actually works for ESPN, posts this 
on Twitter, this video on Twitter, and a guy screams from the back, well, why should we have talked to you the entire year? In a very dismissive, uh, sarcastic manner. And Gio is now a new uh, GIF because he's like, right? Like he looks like Nick Young, right? When Nick Young was trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And so many times players are told to respect the media and the media is good for you. The media is this, they're there for you. There's an obligation for each NFL player to talk to them. But when those interactions happen, Chan, and you're looking at the way Gio was treated, who handled it like a pro, I want to say that, the way Gio was treated, what are your thoughts on that? First off, don't try this man's ability or his playmaking and all that. That's what that, the gentleman did. He said, you know, why, why wouldn't we have talked to you earlier in this? Why even get personal like that? Journalistic integrity, you ask the questions to get the answer for whatever you're going on. If you have a show, a podcast, if you're writing an article, you're a columnist, you need to, you're in there for the fans to hear your opinion, your, you know, ed editorials about this team. So why would you question this man? That's unprofessional. So if Gio would have got unprofessional with him, which he did kind of get a little edgy, which I would have too. I don't know how y'all feel about it. I would have got edgy if a reporter called me out on my performance on the field. Because I'm, I'm not going there and reading all your articles and saying, oh, look, this don't make no sense. You know what I'm saying? If we're both professionals doing our job, don't disrespect me. And I think that that um, older man disrespected Gio in that situation. And Gio, to the best of his ability, went back. He talked. He was very quick, you know, very quick with his answers. But he could have cussed that man out. And I totally agree with Channing, a thousand percent. If you look at how the reporters approached to Kobe Myers, who had a bonehead play in the Patriots loss as well, right? That was with respect. That was with journalistic integrity. It's as simple as that, man. Being a professional, that's your job. Be a pro about it. And as a player, we have to talk to the media. You know, otherwise we'll be fine. So ha handle it the best that you can, even in the heat of those moments. These guys are knowing they're gonna be the laughing stock of the internet. It's different than when we play. Like the entire world gets to see, you know, the the fumble Ruski, yeah. that 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 lateral, Good that yeah, you know, all that different yeah. stuff. So uh, just imagine the pressures that come with it. But they still sit up in front of their lockers, being patient, wait to answer whatever type questions that are gonna come about. And then th those guys are pros. So um, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, reporters. Players that have to honor the space and, and just stay professional. And one thing, too, because uh, Kevin Durant spoke on this, this situation. Kevin Durant talked about that the players are the game, like what is the, almost diminishing the media. And I, I would like to say I disagree with Kevin Durant. Right. These billion-dollar TV deals come from the media and these media companies that have these people working and trying to get the information, the, the ticket sales, the merchandise. The media is a part of all those sales things. So I always thought the media is your enemy. And I had coaches, I say, Nick Saban used to tell us that. They don't like you. They're using you to make their job easier. They don't like you. Don't let them be your friends. Don't let them come to your Christmas parties. But the media is a very big part of every sport out there. NBA, NFL, every level. Yeah, well, I think I agree with, with both of you. I think the difference between the Jacoby Myers thing is Jacoby was extremely stand up in what happened to him. And I'm right. not, I'm and, and devil's advocate, I'm not saying that Giovanni Bernard wasn't, but he didn't want to speak about it. Jacoby Myers stood in front of those cameras like most men are unable to do in some situations and said, you know what, that was on me. That, like, that was a bonehead play. I got out of pocket. I, I lost my mind in some, of some sort. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. I made a bad decision, and that's on me. Uh, Gio didn't. Right. And 
I think the, the other problem with the media is that sometimes they forget, though it's their job to do certain things, it's also dealing with humans. And there's human emotion. And there's different stressors that come along with our jobs that does make certain things difficult, which is why we do applaud people when they show the ability to be poised under that sort of stress and pressure, understanding what their jobs are. When Antonio Brown finally lost it, lost it. Right, and he runs off against Tampa Bay. This guy from Pittsburgh writes this article, and he's basically saying that I was right. That when I came, went on TV on Sports Center after the Cleveland Browns game and said some things about Antonio, about who I thought he was, different decisions he's made, that at the time everybody crushed me, but I was right. But in the article, he talks about the change in what he felt about me. That in the beginning, he thought I was like funny and I was endearing and I was sweet and I was kind and that I basically turned into a turd, right? Which is true in some senses, depending on your perspective. Whereas like I, I had, like you weren't going to just tell me anything. You weren't going to talk to me any kind of way. And it wasn't going to make me not talk to you, but it was going to make me talk about you. Right? If you felt like you could tell me certain things as a man, I could tell you certain things as a man. We are no longer doing our jobs. Right now, we're having a conversation as two adult men. Right? And I think the problem with them was I was always willing to have that conversation, but in the same way that when you would write about me, that's the way I was going to talk to you. Right? Like if I didn't feel like you were good at your job, I was going to tell you. Right? If I didn't feel like your reporting was fair or you talked about one of my teammates in the correct manner in the sense of you telling me that he's supposed to be in the flat, but I know he got deep third, I'm going to tell you that you're stupid. I'm going to tell you what you don't know. And eventually, it got to the point where I would tell them, and I'm also going to be better at your job when I'm done than you are at your job. Well, that's not nice. That is not nice, <laughs> but it was the truth. Yeah, And that was the reason eventually they felt some type of way about me. So, Fred, for, for you, do you think at all times, because of what the media can do for us, because of the way the media is positioned to elevate the players that they would like to elevate, that you should be okay, you should go along, and that you should say, okay, whatever they do, I'm going to do my best to make it work for me and continue to be respectful and kind no matter how I'm treated? I always thought that as a player, now you play the hand that you're dealt. You know, you know how I come off. You, you know how I am as a person. So I always led with that. You know, I always opened up opportunity for any reporter uh, and I answered truthfully, but I always led the conversation. And I made a lot of friends reporters over the years, not so much on a national level because we were tucked away in Jacksonville, but the local guys, I mean, I made a lot of good friends. And they always made sure to look out for me. Now, I'm a firm believer in that. If I play shitty, hey, look, I'm going to tell you, man, yeah, I, f I f up. Mm -hmm. You know, so I ain't worrying about you going out. To be go ahead, read the paper. I'm not reading the paper, right? So um, it was never an issue for me, man. But uh, you can use the media to your advantage if you understand how to play that. Chan, you, we had Jeff Darlington on the show who absolutely adores you, but he knew young Chan, right? He knew yeah. Chan at college in Florida. Yeah. You were obviously outspoken. I think Rex Ryan actually mentioned after we saw you that you guys might have had some type of back and forth uh, when you played. That was awkward when we saw Rex yeah. in the airport because we had a back and forth and in the middle of the summer, 
he came out in the AFC East, and I was playing for the Dolphins at that time. He came out and said, yeah, you know, we've gotten much better. You know, I think we're the best team in the division. And this is, we're talking about June. So I came back and I was like, well, I'm glad. Congratulations to the Jets. are the summer Super Bowl champions. But we have to play football coming up here in the fall. So then he goes back and says he'll, he stepped over guys tougher than me walking to a fight. And I said, I won't even deal with him. My daddy can beat him up because he's old and fat. And then we just went back and forth. So when I saw him in the airport, I was kind of like, we, I was like, uh, are we friends or not? Right. But speaking about Jeff, it's funny you bring him up when you're talking. That's how me and Jeff, you're speaking about integrity in the media. That's how me and Jeff got cool. He was covering me at Florida. I was getting locked up. He wasn't covering me like an animal. He was covering me like a young kid that's making mistakes. Right. And as I read his article in the Gainesville Sun at the time, maybe the alligator, the local news, he, was, he wasn't what he is now. As I went up in the ranks, he kind of came up, and I wouldn't say with me, but we both rose up. But even at a lower level, he would not put his opinion on things. He would tell it how it was respectfully. And that's why I respect him now. And that's honestly why I think Jeff Darlington is where he is, mm -hmm. because he didn't want to try to get a real quick click or make a good, uh, make a good um, article. I remember one time I got arrested. It, this, this moment kind of built the person, the person I am now. I got arrested, and somebody, I don't even know who it is, they're unimportant now, way more unimportant than Jeff, who covered this totally different. They said, at the end of the I remember, and the bottom, the bottom line was they need to lock this animal up and let him out on Saturdays to play ball. Wow. And I'm looking at it like an 18-year-old that got in a fight with a frat at a, at a party, and now I'm an animal? And what normally happens, the dude who wins gets in trouble, because everybody's fighting. Yeah. Right, everybody's fighting. But you win, now all of a sudden, I'm more wrong than right. the three or four people that I was actually fighting by myself. The saying to Ron Zook and Charlie Strong in Florida was, why is Channing getting in all this trouble? And a number of my teammates came to my defense and told Coach Zook and Coach Strong, Coach, Channing's not starting any of these fights. He's ending all of them. And that's what was going on. But the respect from Jeff to me is why that's my homeboy to this day, and he's going to be my homeboy till we die. In sports, finding the right team, even with the draft, almost seems impossible. But in real life, personal and business, ZipRecruiter.com can find the perfect match for you. No matter how great the GM is, it is so difficult to find the right team. But in business, that's why we have ZipRecruiter.com. It doesn't matter if you're in New York or if you're in Nebraska, you can find the perfect person for you. And honestly, it's the best place to go. Four out of five people who post on ZipRecruiter.com, they find a match within 24 hours. When you are ready to build a winning team, let ZipRecruiter.com help you. You can try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash DraftKings. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-R-A-F-T-K-I-N-G-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Chan, you made some good points about the media and journalistic integrity, which you said something that made me think about something that just happened. Uh, you said you were arrested, you were young, and you didn't start any fights, you finished them. Just recently, allegedly, Willie McGinnis was arrested for starting a fight. Now, if you've seen the video, it looks awful. You know, walking up from a guy from behind, taking a sw swing, actually missed the swing. But further on <laughs> in the video, miss? he missed the swing. It is what it is. Further on in the video, you see the bot person hitting this guy with a bottle. He was recently charged with assault with a deadly weapon in, in LA. What do you guys start on that? I know now at 43, I would still fight. If, if provoked, 
if disrespected enough, I would still fight. But what what level of disrespect? Like, I give me I an example. I, I honestly, like, what's I honestly, an example of I that? I honestly can't even box in the level of disrespect. Also, if somebody disrespected my people, whether it was Yank, whether it was my girls, Jordan, both of y'all, like I would, I would still throw hands. I am one hundred percent sure I would. Right. And in that, if like we were talking about with Channing earlier, if you end the fight, you're going to get charged for assault. Being who we are, we are going to get charged for assault. So I'm certainly not going to judge Willie from that perspective because I'd be being a hypocrite. I, I truly would, and I wouldn't do that. And aside from that, I don't know what the situation was. I mean, obviously, if you're looking at the video and we've all seen it, you walk up to a guy, a guy sitting, you're with a lot of other individuals, you swing on him. That seems to be at least a whole move. Right, cowardly. right. You, that's how you feel about it. But I also don't know the dealings that Willie and this guy have right. had. I don't know if they understand it's on site, right? Like if me and Chan have dealt with things enough, and I know he walks up on me like that, I'm swinging, right? And I believe they were at what Delilah's. Yeah. Right. We we've been there before. Like that's an extremely nice place. That is not a place I expect to be stole on it. Um, now what I also do know in knowing that I would still fight. I know I actually should. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Right. Me and Chan have been places before where both of us have felt a certain way about certain things. He's talked me down. I've talked him down. You know, in those situations, we weren't necessarily the ones at those times that felt disrespected. So I get uh, being in a place to do that. But I also know what we have to lose. I know Willie McGinnis works for the NFL Network. I know that at the stage that we are in and being the OGs that we're, we are, Winning a fight actually doesn't prove anything right, for me. Right. It doesn't make a person who has disrespected me in any way less disrespectful. All it does is put all the work I've done, all the sacrifices, people around me who love me, that have given me the space to be who I am, it lets everybody down. And I do know that, but I, I do think, and I'm not saying that he was drinking. I've stopped drinking now, but I do know that when I did, my reactions to disrespect are different than my reactions to disrespect when I'm not, mm -hmm. you know? And so all of these things go into it. I think the first thing, obviously, you know, I hope that whoever they were into it with is okay. I hope that Willie McGinnis ends up being okay in this, but lives are forever changed now because of a bad decision. Right. And I'm hoping that as I grow and as I continue to understand myself and to kind of like what Wallow said to us, bro, like stop, stop worrying about being hood cool. Right, They're like there's so many things I grew up with that we had to be, right? Like you couldn't, like for me, I couldn't let Freddie punk me because now Chan gonna do it, right? It's a, it's a vicious cycle. See pie, you see pie, yeah. you get pie. Yeah. My thing, my thing with Willie is I'm with you. I need to see both sides of the story, and it's gonna come out. Now, now his attorney's got to say something, so we're gonna see what Willie's side yeah. is and what angered him to the what point of what him. he did. What provoked him. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear both sides of the story. But, and that's my defense of Willie. But the thing with Willie that I'm looking at, 
you speak about the times when we had to talk each other down, like, hey, man, it ain't worth it, bro. You grabbed me one time, I grabbed you, you know what I'm saying? It was that spur of the moment. It was that, my thing is, did he call him a racial slur? It's that, me and Freddie were talking about that earlier. Wasn't a, that was a long walk. That, you know, <laughs> did he call him a racial slur? Did he spit on him? Because I, I know that. You talk about you fighting. I don't want to fight no more, Fred. I do. I swear to goodness, I don't want to fight the rest of my life. If someone spits on me, I'm swinging on them on that on sight before yeah. the spit can start running down my face. That's I am real. swinging on the person that spit on me. Yeah. If it's a man, if it's a woman, I'ma yell real loud and ball my fist up. And, ah! But there are things that can make me hit somebody. Y'all said it. They were sitting down. They got up. He casually walked up to the dude. That wasn't. Spur of the moment excitement. With passion. With passion, came yeah. around. He did say something to him, and the dude kind of shrugged his shoulders, and then he threw that weak ass left. But <laughs> it was, it was so, it was, to be honest, this is a, a legal term. That's that was premeditated. Mm. That wasn't bah. That was well thought out and premeditated. And that's the part I think that's, that's gonna get Willie. That video watching him so casually walk up and swing on that. Man. I agree with both of you, but I also want to just looking at it. I mean, he had five other guys with him. You're talking about sacrifices, being disrespected, the whole thing. I agree with y'all a thousand percent. You got goons in place. You don't have to even go there. Now you have to deal with whether you're going to be suspended, fired, all that other stuff. So at the end of the day, I don't think it was worth it. No, I mean, I definitely don't believe it was worth it. And also, like, they really ain't get after him like they should have if it was all those people. But the other piece of it is, too, I think it brings you to your community. It brings you to your surroundings. And... We are older now, like you say goons, like we don't necessarily, like I don't actually run with goons anymore. Like my homeboys who were once goons are now old like me. You know what I mean? But it does not even necessarily about people being goons. Like we, I always, like my homeboy Kevin, when we would go out, he wouldn't drink a lot or he wouldn't party a lot. Cause he know like I wouldn't get out a lot and I didn't drink all the time. So like if I drink, he knew I was gonna be turned up. And so, if somebody said something or something happened, he always wanted to have his wits about him, so it'd always be him. Whether he was protecting me because he saw something happening or some danger coming, or he was making sure I wasn't the person that retaliated or I wasn't the person that reacted to disrespect or whatever it was, he was like, I'd rather me than you. He's like, because I know you out here is better than you in there, yeah. right? That you're going to take care of everybody, you're going to take care of me. And I think in those situations, Coming back to what me and Channing were talking about, we're talking each other down, like we are grown enough and adult enough that if I'm surrounding myself with you, I value your opinion in some way, or I value who you are, respect you. As we walk in over there, one, if Channing, we sitting down and Channing go, man, that dude disrespect me. I want to walk around this whole restaurant and when we get to him, we're going to check him. The first thing I'm gonna say is, bruh, first off, you know this corn be hurting. How in the hell, we gotta, why we gotta walk way around there? So that's gonna diffuse the whole thing anyway, but yeah. it's gonna be the conversation like, hey man, is that worth it? Yeah. Like, do we really have to go over there? And I think if somebody was there to have that conversation with him, um, it's different, but. That's the Fred's point though. Yeah. It's funny you say goons, right? When I was 22, same dudes I hang with now. I do TJ, Dale, Jarvis, Crumb, my homeboys from back in the day. When we were 22, we fighting together. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, T-Mad, we jumping. At 40, all of us 40, I'm the, I'm the youngest, 39, everybody else in their 40s. Bro, those goons are now stopping you. Yep. Whoever's mad, if it's Crumb, if it's them, 
all the other five dudes gonna be like, come on, chill out, man, chill out. Just like we do to each other. Hey, bro, we'll laugh. Like you're saying, you'll make a joke. Hey, man, come on now, don't mess with that dude. He got a slew out. He won't even be able to hit you anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, you're gonna try to defuse the situation. Right. And that's when you know you got real dudes. And that's what I think a lot of these young athletes, mm. you can't have, a lot of people have do boys and yes men around them. Mm-hmm. A yes man is gonna say, oh, bro, and they, everybody call me bro, my, my circle. Oh, bro, mad? Oh, we gotta get mad now. No, I have a mature circle now. Oh, bro, mad. Bro, chill out. Or they'll tell me, get out of there. If something's really about to go down, they'll be like, bro, hit it, hit it, bro, hit it, hit it. Yeah. And that's what you really need. And that's what I think, I hope, I wish these young boys could have. It's so funny that Willie's 50-something years old. That, he shouldn't be doing that. But I think it's something that these young boys need to have is somebody that is not grabs their emotion. Mm-hmm. You got people around you that's going to get as emotional as you are. That's not a person you need to be around you. You need somebody to diffuse those strong emotions. Yeah, and you know, you know what's so crazy? I think that's part of, like, relationships and trying to be emotionally aligned with somebody. Your homeboys don't need to be emotionally uh, emotionally aligned with you. That's a marriage thing. That's a girlfriend, that's a relationship thing, right? Because you know how it is. Like, if your old lady mad, you might not be as mad, but you just got to act like it. I am appalled as well. I... What she say to you? Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I then, know she did. Right. Then you're like, I don't really care about none of that. Like, that's stupid. But and so, but that you don't have to have that with your homeboys. But speaking of being able to have conversations and make decisions, and how those split-second decisions, which we saw with William McGinnis, that has now changed his life and all that he's built, all the goodwill that he's gained. Amari Amazing Stoudemire, dude, man. Amazing dude. Yeah, Amari Stoudemire uh, was arrested recently as well uh, for putting his hands on his child. Uh, I haven't seen, you know, everything uh, that's come out. I don't know the specifics for sure, but I do know if it's ever a situation to where the police are called or whether it's Child Protective Services are called, it is now advanced past spanking. It's advanced past discipline. And and someone feels uh, that way. We've all raised children. you know, my children are older. Fred's children's children are older. Channing, your babies are still growing up. I was talking to one of the OGs uh, this week. Jordan's, he calls him Papa, but it's like Jordan's uncle. But his mom lived with them when he was born. And he was speaking, his kids were talking about how much lighter he is on their youngest son, who's 13, than, they, than he was on the oldest two, who are now 27 and 24, and then they got one in college, and they were saying, oh man, you ain't got it no more. And he was like, it's not that I don't have it, he was like, it's that I have more. He said, all I knew about raising kids was discipline and and spanking and keeping them in line. He's like, but I learned now that I can have conversation or that I can talk or that I can get you to a different place to understand what I'm saying without putting my hands on you. And he's like, and I'd rather use those things that I've learned through experience and wisdom than what I was then. I know for me, I stopped putting my hands on my girls very early, mm-hmm. right? And I always said, I didn't, I never wanted my girls to be comfortable with a man putting his hands on, you know, on her. I never wanted them to feel like that was a way to resolve any argument, that was a way to find any sort of resolution, solution, or that that was a way to bring peace because it's not. And so for them, it was different. Now, Joe, yeah, like Joe say something stupid, I ask him, man, shut up. Right? You punch him in his chest, he laugh at me, I laugh at him. We go on, if it's not that serious. Looking at that situation, which we need to be extremely delicate in speaking of, when you think of your kids, Chan, having a daughter, also having boys, 
is there a difference for you in how they should be disciplined and how do you feel about if you're comfortable about spanking or punishments and different things like that? It, I think there's a big difference just in how you treat your daughters, how you treat your daughters compared to your sons. But I'm more on the spanking. I hate, like, I think spanking and beating gets mixed up. Like, yes. beating, like, you don't beat children, pop <laughs> hey, them. You I don't spank mean to laugh. them. I don't mean to laugh. I used to tell you, I mess with my mama all the time because she's like this sweet, gentle soul. I always talk about it, right? Mama used to be about that whipping and yeah. spanking when I was young. And I always mess with like, mama, I think I was abused. And she go, stop it, bub. <laughs> I didn't abuse you. <laughs> you ever had to pick out your own well, switch? Yeah, for my grandmother. I used to pick yeah. the little one, then she just get a bigger one. The switch ain't bad. The belt ain't bad. You start pulling out extension cords, you're going a little too far. Mm -hmm. And I think people go too far. But a spanking, a little pop, a little pow pow. Mm -hmm. I gave the, I, I give the little baby little pals now on his hand. Don't touch the garbage can. If he touches the sto stove, he's automatically gonna get a, a cause and effect. Yes. He's gonna burn his damn hand. He keeps playing with the garbage can. Don't touch the garbage can. Chad, leave the garbage can alone. Don't touch the garbage can and he'll look. And that's what it is. It's but it registers to him that I shouldn't be doing that. And there's a negative connotation to your actions, and that's what that little pop is. That's what we do. And I do, like I said, I'll pop the little two-year-old's hand now. He'll get out of bed and go to playing. It's 2 in the morning, going to play and peek around the corner game with me. At 2 a.m., I pop on the little boot and say, get back in bed, Chaz, and pop his little boot in him <laughs> and run back. You know what I'm saying? I think there is an age, and I think it fluctuates with different maturity levels of a child, but I think when you start getting into double digits, there should be, with a good parent, I don't, if I'm calling you out, I'm sorry, a respect level with your parents where they don't have to spank you anymore. You're smart enough. Like, talking about a conversation. Can I speak to a four-year-old, logically sit him down? No. Look, Ava, what you did today was not up to par with the family, the family. Like, I don't think a four-year-old's gonna gather that the same way. But I think once you get into those double digits, 11, 12, 13, especially teens, you should stop, you shouldn't even pop or don't do that anymore. It should be a respect level. I think that set, and I'll say that too, not calling out anybody, like you said, not saying anything about Amari. When I see a parent beating a teenager, spanking a teenager, I go back in your parenting, not your child's actions. I really do. Yeah, I totally agree with you a thousand percent, Chan. Um, it starts with the foundation of the discipline action, right? I think at different, different ages, kids should be disciplined uh, accordingly. You know, for me, what I decided to do, you know, I did the pow-pow when they were younger, one, two, you know, watch out, don't do that. But then I started to think, I don't want this kid to be fearful of me. So I started to use, uh, symbolize, use things that symbolize, you know, if I'm hitting you versus discipline. Mm -hmm. So I get the, you know, the little, um, the little white piece from the clothes, from the iron clothes hanger, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, you get from just that little white cardboard piece. Take off, yeah. yeah, just look, you do something wrong, this is discipline. Like, get your ass together. They see it, I don't have to hit them. You know, but then later in life, that comes back on you, and then they get a little mildly as they turn into teenagers, and then you have to say, damn, you know, where did I go wrong? So I get a little pressure from my 19-year-old at a time, but his ass don't understand, look, I can cut this off at the head right now. You got to fend for yourself, because in America, you pass the legalized age. I can kick you out and not look back. Mm -hmm. But my patience, thank God, it's amazing. You are you feel me? angelically patient. So, but that's what I lead with. So, and it's also gotten me in trouble because my grandmother didn't lead that way. Right. Right. My grandmother beat my ass, 
but not as a teenager. As a child, for sure. But as a teenager, never. I parented different. Uh, but I talk to my boys now. You know, I have four boys that I talk to my, I never beat my daughter. Never in life, never, ever, ever had. She never gave any issues. Um, so we have a great relationship. Uh, but my boys, they, they get a little mildly, a little tough. Uh, not to the point where I would put my hands on them. You know, um, I would never hit them. Uh, so I, I don't know what happened in the stat situation. Mm -hmm. He did uh, make a comment on his uh, page and his story saying, you know, things will come out, give it time and all of that. And uh, whatever happened in their household, I'm hoping the best for everyone involved. His children were amazing kids. They were neighbors across the street, always polite, always cordial. Uh, Alexis, the same. Uh, so hopefully they can all work that out. And one more thing about the discipline too, and this is just something I thought about as we talked to the kids and something I've talked to friends about, trying to get them, and my thing's fishing, and I'll take my homeboys and their kids fishing with me. Just speaking to parents, if all you are is a disciplinarian, if you don't have Saturday fishing trips, if you don't have going to the bounce house, and me and the kids go to bounce, I'd be out there with my bad knees on the trampoline, trying to dunk the little basketball with them. If you don't have recreational fun time you with your relationships. kids, and all you are is the dude that spanks them, the, the, the woman that spanks them or disciplines them or punishes them or takes their iPads or takes whatever when they do bad, but y'all don't have any fun time, What's, what are you to your children? And that's one thing I try to, I tell a lot of my friends, especially, you know, ball players that have their kids young, I try to tell them, bro, take two days, three days, four days out when it's just you and your kids. Leave your wife at the house. Have something for you and your kids so when they know this is daddy time, so that anything negative happens, anything you have to reprimand them, they know that's one part of your relationship. I need to tighten up on this. I need to tighten up my grades. I need to tighten up on my behavior. But we still have a fun relationship. We still have that love between us. Yeah, I think, I think it, it always takes a balance between parents, right, that, that your personalities are going to be different. I'm extremely laid back. You know, like, I don't, I just don't get mad a lot because I, I don't really care a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad, like my dad is, you know? And we had the conversation around Thanksgiving about me not feeling like parenting is reciprocal. Also don't take things personally with my kids, right? When something happens, I'm not like, oh, I'm so mad because I feel like you did this to me. That's not how I work. Uh, but the big thing I always had was like when they were younger, I tried to teach lessons through everything, like no matter what they were doing. And I also believe, and I think I've said that here, this here before, there are reasons to do things that I don't necessarily think are the right decisions. We just have to talk about it. And so big with me was like, because I've always been big into training, I would do like wall sits, right? I do duck walks or different things where we gonna, we just gonna exercise until y'all tired as hell and y'all actually would rather me discipline you in another way. And afterwards, we sit down. Like I fix some food or I give them something to drink and we just sit down, okay, why did you do this? Why did you make this decision? Because I always wanted them to know that they could tell me anything and I was willing to listen. Now, if you tell me that, I want to be able to have the conversation with you about why I believe it's wrong, why I think you should attack it in a different way, but it always kept open lines of communication. And so now you know, if you do something that I don't want to converse about because you know that's my way, that means there's no coming back from that in the sense of there is no explaining that. There is no reason why I believe that would be okay. So I don't want to hear your explanation. I don't want to hear your reasoning. And so I think, like you said, Channing, you can't be one way, this is what I'm going to do all the time. This is how I'll always be. 
but you also have to let them know or have the voice and the type of patience and type of calm that if my voice raises an octave, right? If I say I'm gonna pop your hand, you realize I've done everything else I can before that to not be in that position. That's kind of how I try you know, to work. It's just once again, the time for us to give a shout out to DraftKings. We thank you for their sponsorship, but they want to show you what they can do for you. So any new customer that uses the promo code PIVOT, you make any $5 pregame money line wager on any football game. If your bet hits, you get $150 in bonus bets. You got 150 in bonus bets? Y'all gotta put some on the same game. Parlays, come on now. And right now, Kansas City is rolling offensively. You can pick the games and the total of a team, and you got a chance of winning even more money with DraftKings. So these guys are talking about the DraftKings Sportsbook. I want to tell you about DraftKings Daily Fantasy, because the Sportsbook isn't anywhere, but you still can get in on the action with Daily Fantasy. Pick your favorite players, you still can get to that bag, baby. <laughs> hey, listen, it's about the bag, but it's also about fun. Pull out your mobile devices, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and you can get in there and you can do same game parlays, you can go daily fantasy, basketball, football, whatever sports you love, DraftKings wants to be here for you. We are getting into a place too, man, like these kids are impatient, mm -hmm. kids are disrespectful, kids are rude, they don't wanna work for anything, they don't wanna wait for things. And, you know, right now we have kids in college ball that will go from number three on the depth chart to number 3,000 in the portal because of that. Yeah. Right? To, to, to not know where I'm going to end up, to take step downs or to believe I can move laterally. And what I do try to explain to kids is a lot of times you have the same problem but a different address. Right? Your, your dorm is in a different spot. The logo is different. The colors are different. But this transfer portal, bro, is out of control Nightmare. in college right yeah. now. And some people are using it, right? Some people move to Colorado, say they bring in their luggage, and it's Louis. <laughs> and the rest of y'all could jump in. And we'll get into that a little second, Chan. How do you feel the transfer portal, along with NIL, actually, is changing the landscape of college football? but also becoming this microwave era where I gotta get everything right now. Like, I knew I couldn't leave. I redshirted. My freshman year, I had to work my way in to be the nickel. I knew there wasn't going, there wasn't a go somewhere and leave because I had to go to Southern if I left. Yeah. I wasn't going to Southern. So how do you feel this is changing who our kids are and how kids handle adversity? I think the NIL is, it's really free market. It's going to be have and have nots because, like you see, Bryce Young and them boys making millions and the, the guard is making six grand. So it's going to be have and have nots. I have no problem with that because, let's be honest, that's how the world is. Yes. If you're good at something, you get mm -hmm. you get, you get paid more than for the other people. Yeah. You're good at something. That's what one thing good coaches tell me, and all the good coaches I had always said that. They wouldn't say every player is equal. He would tell me, my dogs, my starters are going to get treated better than the third stringers. I'm going to mm -hmm. tell you that now. Right. All the good coaches, my, and I bring up Charlie Strong, will let us know every single day about that. But I think the transfer portal, like you said, is negatively affecting college sports because they can run from any problem. Mm -hmm. And you know what half their damn examples are? Half their damn excuses, sorry, are? The coach, the coach doesn't like me. The coach doesn't like me. The coach is going to like you if you're performing and making his job easier and helping him keep that multi-million dollar job. 
The coach doesn't like me. I'm not saying there's no coaches out there that have a, a certain liking to one player more than the other. But for that to be the excuse of most guys that aren't playing, you're not playing because you can't help this team win. And now you can leave. Whatever happened to, like you said, guys don't even want a red shirt no more. Mm -hmm. You come in as a high school dude, you 161-pound linebacker, your ass need a couple years to get to par where these boys are out here in college. Wait under, learn from your OGs, figure out the game, get the mental aspect down, go in there and ball the next couple years. If you're exceptional, you're going to start as a freshman, sophomore, you have a chance to leave. But it's making an easy out for guys not to have to address their problem. Just like you said, if you can't tackle, if you got bad feet work, you, you, you have bad shoulders, you're not going to be able to tackle, have bad feet and bad shoulders at whatever damn university you are not at. not changing. It's not it's changing. Not the changing. address is changing. The reason your ass ain't on that field is on you, your body, and your work ethic, period. I hate – I think I'm only one of that. I swat, flat out said, I hate the transfer portal where it is now. When you have to sit out that year, when there's repercussions for your leaving, who I'm going to sit out. And you, and you, well, you, that's, you, that's, that's you thought about it leaving, but, you know, I think it comes from the fact that coaches got to move around – so easily as well. And they were trying to give these players at least some sort of power. But I take it back to Mark Emmert, who was over the NCAA. This dude washed his hands of everything that could have been extremely transformational for college students and college student athletes. Yeah, I think the, the big thing with that is that this entitlement, you know, social media obviously creates a monster, especially in our kids. You have certain players that think, I'm, I need that. You know, I need that. You know, this guy, Bryce, got this. So yeah. I, I, I'm entitled to that. So they, they test the portal. And the portal really is just a negotiating tool. A lot of these guys are using the portal as leverage. They get in there and they threaten, they threaten to transfer, right? Hoping to get more money from somewhere else. I suggest this. They shouldn't allow, once you're in the portal, you can't come back, right? You can't come back. I don't know all of the rules, first yeah, of all. Gosh. But once you're in the portal, you shouldn't be allowed to come back. And then you shouldn't be allowed to receive NIO money even in that first season. Make them sweat. So you, they have to get more creative with this portal because it's just a wild, wild west inside this thing. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm going to get back to it. That's actually smart, though, Freddie T, because if you are a superstar at Coastal Carolina, it's different than being a superstar at North Carolina. But if you're at Coastal and you get into the transfer portal, and I can receive NIL money, now it's a free market for me. Right. This school may give me this, or this school can give me that. Whereas if it's, oh, you can't get money the first year, you may say, well, this, I start at Coastal Carolina. I'm an extremely good player there. I'm going to have an opportunity to be an NFL draft pick, and I'll take the 100000 there to be comfortable where I already am, mm -hmm. then go to a place and be back to scholarship checks. Right. And so I think that would make a difference if but they had some the, sort of rule like the, that. The bigger universities with the, the bigger booster backgrounds, you know, they, they have these groups called the collectives. Mm -hmm. You know, they raise all this money, and uh, this money is basically for NIL. It's a way to get around the whole NCAA stuff so we could pay these guys and make it look like, you know, NIL legit. Uh, I, I think that's if they create a, a set of rules within this portal, I think it'll take some pressure off the, the collectives, the universities, because these kids are just kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they hear, they see Channing with a, 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 a Porsche deal. 
they don't know the structure of that deal. They don't know if it's a thousand miles or if it's, you drive it two days a week or just what they don't know that. But it's the perception that Channing got a Porsche or you got some jewelry, you know, from somewhere. So they're saying these things and they don't know any better. So now impulse and emotions take over and they jump out there, not necessarily listening to their parents because they just see a check. And they see this guy doing this and this guy doing that. Because once you get to wherever you think you're going to go and automatically play, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. Your ass got to compete. You still got to compete. I think as far as like trying to navigate that for parents now and understand that. Obviously, Jordan got a new coach. And the first conversation, he's like, okay, Pop, they called six of us in. And we had these certain conversations. And now I have this personal meeting. And so as a parent, as his father, I'm trying to be as much as I can and be involved in those situations and be involved in those conversations, but also understand that Jordan's a man. And that at 21, the decisions that he makes, they do affect the rest of his life. I need him to be comfortable with those decisions. But all of those conversations between he and I are now allowed and now able to take place because of what I built with him when he was growing up. Channing, you mentioned when you have young kids or young players who have kids young, you talk, talk to them about spending time. You talk to them about developing a relationship. Recent, recently, Tiger Woods and Charlie played in another tournament. And Tiger said it. He's like, this is probably going to set me back from being able to make a comeback or from being able to play in my next PGA tournament but that's worth it to him. Right. One, these dudes are carbon copies of one another yeah. as they play golf. It's almost like, it's almost eerie how close it is. But when you're Tiger Woods and you're the most talented golfer that has, that has ever lived, you're a golfer that has transcended the game, truly. You say Tiger, people don't think uh, Clemson, people don't think Rar Cat, they think Tiger Woods. But to say, I know what my legacy in golf means to me and what it means to the world. How much people want me to be back out there in the PGA Tour, how much I want to be back out there myself. But spending this time with my son is more important. Letting my child know that he's my top priority, even above my own legacy, above what people think about me, is the thing that I want to put into the forefront, not only for myself, not, for, not only publicly, but that inside my household, my child knows that. When Tiger Woods makes this decision, I think it humanizes him more than anything else, more than his championships, more than his pitfalls, because all of us who love our babies understand this. How important do you think it is for, and I'll come to you, Fred, do you think it is for Tiger Woods to allow the world in on that part of who he is? I think he doesn't necessarily care about that. He's just been a father. And I think that's the most important thing to him in the entire world, more so than any major he's ever won. I just saw him somewhere say he has to protect Charlie, right? The media, you know, they attack. Uh, if Charlie falters and doesn't necessarily live up to the expectations, obviously, you know, we know what comes with that. Uh, but Tiger, I think, will be, or not will be, he's an amazing father. I think he's an amazing coach. He had the best coach in his life knowing his dad. Uh, so just uh, his relationship that he had with his dad and, and hearing him in documentaries, interviews, I think he's gonna do a great job with his son. Uh, I think he's gonna, uh, uh, Charlie 
won't come up like a lot of other young kids that are considered phenoms that might have this cockiness and a sense of entitlement as they go. I think he's going to be amazing, uh, only because I see Tiger as just a, you know, professional, and uh, as a as a. I think he's a great person, right? So I think that'll carry over to his son as well. Think about what he's put them kids through with the, the divorce and all that stuff, everything that came out. And Tiger Woods, it, Charlie got an iPad. Now, my kids got iPads, and we ain't got no Tiger money. Charlie can Google his daddy. Charlie can read everything, and he can go to Tiger Woods and see everything that happened. As a father, you want to have your voice in their ear. You want to be there, have that relationship, but always be able to tell them what's really going on from your words when you're that public and everything's out there like that. I'm with you, Fred. I think Tiger is a great human being. He has his downfall. We right. saw him stumbling out of the car. We saw him, the, whatever was in his system. Like, he's a human. But I do think he cares about them babies and everything that's happened to him over the past year. They're seeing the car crash. They're seeing him wreck his leg. They're there at the hospital. Legs mangled. We're not talking yeah. about Tiger when he's in the hospital with that leg mangled. We're not talking about him once he tears his back up that year or the second day, third day of the, I think that was Augusta or whatever, when his back went out on him. Once he leaves the course, I'm not talking about him no more. Who's standing next to him? His babies, babies are there. His babies. His babies are there. Now his son, to your point about his relationship with his dad, me watching Tiger Woods at two years old swing that club better than I can at 39 years old, why wouldn't he not want to be there for his children? Charlie sees that too. And he sees, and Googling, Charlie's reading this right now. My dad's setting back his PGA return to be here for me in my tournament. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to him inside? Think about that. You know what I'm saying? Think about if you could do that for your son. That's why I think, to your point, Fred, I don't think it's calculated. Like you're saying, you said, Ryan, I don't think he's thinking about the media. I don't think he's thinking about showing him nothing. I think he is a good father. I think he knows that his kids have seen a lot and been through a lot in the last couple of years. And I think he's just trying to be a good man and be there for Charlie. Well, I want to clarify because I understand how it was uh, comprehended. I wasn't saying that Tiger thought it was important. I was saying, how important does it become that people know these things about him publicly? Because in the sense of what is mostly reported about Tiger Woods is negativity. Once they, once they build you up to this point and, point and they start to see cracks in the armor, armor they want to attack those things. Right. And so I don't, you know, like I never make a decision like, oh, if I make this, and obviously I'm not Tiger Woods. If I make this, this decision with Jordan, I want it to be put out so people know I love my kid. No, you just parent your kids. Correct. And you just love your babies. I'm not saying Tiger is doing that for that reason, but because of you thinking or saying he's a good human or you believing he's a good human, I think, let me say speak for me, I believe it's important that the world does see that. That at some point, the world sees how much he loves his child because I do believe the human in the media, the human in the outside world can now say, man, you know what? He's just a dad, right? He's just like me. He does fight demons like I do. He does have his downfalls like I do. He does have his adversity like I do because people who golf or who love golf would kill to be Tiger Woods. And in building Tiger Woods up to what he became, they put him on a pedestal of gods and they took away a little bit of what makes us all human. And seeing that to me says, you know what? Maybe I don't write this in this way or maybe I truly get Tiger Woods perspective this time because Charlie does have an iPad. 
And so that's kind of more what I was speaking to about it being important for the world to see that. Because now maybe it's not, I got to crush this dude and kill this dude to build myself up. But I do have to understand that he has a family. Right, no, I agree with you. you know, I think it's important. I just didn't think no, that, like, I, I just, that he cared. Yeah, I, I you know it, no. what others thought. Much, much like Kobe. Yep. He's an amazing father, you know, the whole thing. But I don't, he didn't give a f what they thought about yeah. how he parented. He was a great parent. You bring up Kobe, bring up Tiger, the great sacrifice to all their loved ones to be great. Yes. And if they have a chance to make that up to them and not even, you know, not consciously showing the world that too, I think it's an amazing thing too. And I think it's amazing. I think the most out of this is Charlie laying in his bed at night looking at the ceiling and thinking about that with his pops. I mean, fellas, it's been, go it's been a great shit. show. What, what, uh, what, 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 what? That's early Christmas? Yeah, I got this. Laura Rutledge gave me this. Shout out, NFL Live. Listen. Oh, that You reminded me of something. I, I apologize, I apologize. Shout out Big jo Jordan. Hey, congrats on graduation, man. Oh, thank you, man. Big shout. That's dope. Joe, my man, you know what's on me. Tessie's on me next time. <laughs> hey, so it's the Christmas holidays, right? And um, Christmas will be on Sunday. We get an opportunity to celebrate, probably spend more money than we need to because I'm sure uh, we all treat our family like it's Christmas every day. Coming into the holiday, man, when you reflect on, uh, you know, where Lil Channing was that thought he was MacGyver and, and, and set the house on fire and now he has butt crack hair um, on his foot uh, to where you are now, man. What are some of the things that when you look back on what you can now give your kids, man, uh, you think about the holiday? It's funny you say that. Are you saying the PS5s, the bikes, the four-wheelers, all the crap that my kids have? It's just been coming off Tiger. It's really being there for them. It's really trying to get on the first flight whenever we're done filming to get back to them and have the resources to do it. It's the fact that I could take them out 50 miles on a boat. And they remember that and they're telling the stories and we'll go to functions and me and my wife always tell our kids, whenever we go to like Thanksgiving, we had the whole, we had a big family thing in Orlando. So we drive to Orlando and Asia and myself, we'll always be like, listen, if somebody speaks to you, speak back. Yeah. If they ask you a question, hey, how's it going? Have a story for them. Right. Te Ava, tell them a tennis story. Channing, tell them a baseball story. Y'all tell them fishing stories. If somebody asks you and, 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 and wants to get to know you or tell them something, and we'll be in the car reciting our stories. Hey, Ava, how you doing? Good. Hey, what you been up to? Well, I just finished my tennis season. I won my first tournament, and I beat the girl. And she would go through a story to tell them. And just to hear that, man, it's just like I'd be in a car tearing up because those moments, that three-hour drive from Miami to Orlando means more to me than the damn PS5 I could buy for them or the house we live in or the damn four-wheelers and all this. I keep bringing up four-wheelers because these four-wheelers break. They break more than vases. These four-wheelers <laughs> break, man. But yeah, but seriously, that's what I love even coming off a tiger conversation. I, hell with it. Knowing that I'm a good dad. Knowing that I have a good wife that's a good mother. That's what I get the most from, I think, from little Chan setting the house on fire, from older Chan, from younger older Chan getting locked up, fighting, crashing cars, to now I've done something right now that I have these three beautiful young babies in this world. And I, and I honestly believe that Asia and myself are gonna make them very strong, responsible adults. It's pretty beautiful, brother. That's all I got for it. No, I agree with Everybody you. Everybody kept their clothes on in that story. I know, right? 
No, but I, I agree with you, Chan, man. Uh, it's, it's really about pre being present, you know, and, and, and that's going to always be a gift, right, uh, to your family. You talked about Kobe, the great, Tiger, the greats. You know, uh, being a professional athlete, it takes you away from your family. You sacrifice your body, you know, your, your health, everything across the board to go in and, and make sure you're able to provide. I came from nothing. Mm -hmm. So I always said when I was coming up that I wanted to make sure when I had kids, they had they can get everything I always wanted as a child. Yeah. And that's how I started everything, get, buying four-wheelers. I still got four-wheelers. I bought my son when he was three. Send him this way. You can have both of them. <laughs> He's 19 now. <laughs> They're just in the garage. Probably They probably drove them five times yeah. in their lifetime. Uh, so I've just accumulated stuff over years uh, and then came up with a new strategy and said, uh, you know, Christmas can be also about experiences, mm -hmm. family experiences. So uh, we alternate years each year. One year we'll, you know, come go to New York, uh, Philly, D.C., just to expose them to different things, different cultures. Uh, we might do a cruise, you know, different things of that nature. And then another year we put the tree up and put boxes under there and give them a few gifts. Uh, they all look forward to it. But they get so much stuff throughout the year. They hit me up. I'm so easy to get hit up. I am also like that. But just uh, just looking back on everything, uh, just thankful, really, you know, just to, to still be in it, to still be able to uh, hustle like this, as Chan said, get that first flight out, touchdown, and try and be present. I got to be better at that, you know, and not saying I got to catch up on a nap, although naps are important, but. I have to make sure uh, I'm being proactive and, and being involved in their lives and everything they're doing. But again, I'm, I'm just thankful that we're at this time of the year, man, and uh, look forward to enjoying it. I see. Yeah, I'm not, uh, so I don't like gifts. Like, I don't like getting me gifts. Either. Me either. You know, I don't like when people who get me gifts. And I also think it stresses people out to get me gifts, right? Like Jordan was like, yeah, pop, man, you hard to buy for. And obviously you kids want to buy you stuff, I don't need anything. And I'm like, nah, you don't really have to. And they're like, nah, dad, we got to. And so Christmas is not necessarily like one of those holidays I look forward to in that sense. And two, I agree with y'all. Our kids are a product of us realizing what we didn't have and what we always wanted. And so we feel like the reason we've worked this hard is to be able to give them all of these things. And sometimes we probably overgive or overgift. Uh, but for me, now that my children are old, man, it's just about talking to them and, and having them at some point in their day feel like I'm valuable enough to spend time with. You know, your kids are a little bit younger, Chan, like Freddie T, yours are old and, and they're much like us, right? Like you got your younger babies, Freddie T, that, you know, they still got to depend on you and you, right. you guys still have to talk about things because they got it, that's how they got to get it. And then, you know, my kids are like, they could text me, hey, Pop, I need this, or I got to go here. And I'm like, all right, cool. Here's the money or here's whatever. And so, you know, we're going to take a trip and spend some time together. And hopefully we just have good conversations and we get to have meals and talk to one another and just kind of share, you know, our days together. Because as, as I get older, like, that's the gift for me. Uh, a good friend of mine that both of you guys know, Antonio Pierce, you know, his mother just passed. You know what I mean? And you know AP, man, like Tat, like one of the toughest cats I know. You know what I mean? Like I ain't never, like, I've never really seen him ever be like emotional, you know? And we had an opportunity to talk to him and he was just like, man, tell your people you love them. You know what I'm saying? He was the only child. Uh, 
And so like, that was all she had. And he's like, you know, man, I got to make every decision. He's like, because she didn't have, she don't have any sisters or brothers left or any parents. And I'm the only child. And, you know, I think when Freddie mentions experiences, that's what I think about. When you're having those experiences, you're getting to spend time. When you're driving in the car from Fort Lauderdale to Orlando, you're getting to spend time. What's become valuable to us is time, right? What's become valuable to us is something that we never get back. And giving it to people, because you know it, how many times somebody like, hey, Chan, come have a drink, man, come have dinner with me. All right, dog, hit me up. And you're like, I hope he never calls me. Because <laughs> that person in your mind isn't worth that amount of time. And so to me, I'm most looking forward to, man, just getting to talk, getting to hug, getting to kiss my babies, and just getting to share what we work so hard to be able to share with them, which can't be transmitted or can't be translated through Cash App or Venmo or gifts. And, um, and also, too, man, as we come up on a year, man, I just want to say that this has been a gift for me. Yeah. You know, the, the phone call from Chan, the, the, the Zoom calls that made us decide to do this show, I think it's been a gift for me and what we've been able to build, but also I think for other people. I think the, the amount of times we get comments or messages that say, hey, man, um, OGs, we really appreciate y'all boys. I think I want to tell all y'all, we appreciate y'all. Yeah. You know, when we sit here, we forget that the cameras are here, but every clip we post, every time Alicia sends us over promos or it's time for us to share an episode and they give us that love and y'all give us that love, we do realize that we're talking to someone and that people are listening. And if y'all weren't listening, we wouldn't be the pivot. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to y'all. We got to take the good with the bad. That's what we do with, all the, with each other. And I appreciate y'all for taking flaws as well as, you know, positives with each of us. Yeah. So I want y'all to let, you know, just show y'all this. Let's see it, bro. Yeah, because, you know. Let me see. See, that's my pretty foot there. Okay. That's a good looking foot. You need some sun, man. Your feet are very light skinned. You need some that, sun. That looks like Your it. ankle is terrible. Yeah. And then that there. That, that is so grab. disgusting. Why is your butt so dark? But do you see the hair, the long hair right there? Yes, that's booty hair, bro. Isn't that cool? That's not cool. You want to touch the hair, Fred? Could you imagine? Cry, could you imagine having a patch of skin on your body that is both butt cheek and toe? Kiss my ass. Man, listen, y'all don't appreciate my ass foot. You know, <laughs> fellas, I got something y'all appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, they check this out. It's a little secret. Man, AZ wanted to bring y'all today. Is that is that a gift for us that you don't get? Or is it a no, gift no, no, no. It's a gift for the people. Oh. I just wanted to present it in a special way. I got a special you. man. With your butt foot out. You might be That's upside down. down. Get it Listen, right, fellas. Baby. Get there it right. we go. Players mess up. Look oh, that's super baby. dope, man. Check that out. This will be on the website. Y'all know we got the new merch coming out. I don't know if y'all checked out. RC sweater right there. Looking good. We got the new merch coming out. Pivotpodcast.com. We have these available. We have new merch. We got it everything, fellas. You know what I'm saying? We're coming up on a year. Coming up Holiday on a year, season. Brother. That's dope. The credits, the whole squad. Yep. Yeah. Love y'all boys. Dope. We've been doing it, man. But yes, 
PaperPodcast.com. These will be available. The merch is on the way, baby. We got them, fellas. You yes, know, sir. You know y'all gonna watch out for our people. Hey, so listen, that's a gift for y'all. Obviously, we understand how much a gift the Christmas time is. For those who are less fortunate, we are praying for you. We are hoping that you can stop, find some way to have a great part of this holiday. We'll catch y'all next week. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays from The Pivot. We out. Hold up. Limitless. Take a stomach cow pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. Uh, on a mission, got me up. Uh, knowing me, I got the key. Uh, only vision I can trust. Uh, trust. Uh, limitless. Take a stomach cow pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, got me up. Uh, on a